Welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious or just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Please hold for an important message. Hey, Maggie, what you got in your hand? Oh, I have an Unstable Topics sticker. How do I get one of those? Well, we ordered these to share with all of our friends who are following along the podcast. So you can just shoot us an email with a screenshot of you following Unstable Topics on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and we will send you a sticker in the mail. Stop it, snail mail? Snail mail with a sticker. Can you believe it? For free. I love this so much. So I'm going to go right now and subscribe to our podcast, and I'm also going to give us a review. Oh my gosh, Sarah, if you give a review and send us a picture of that review, we will write you a review of your review and include it in a handwritten letter with the sticker in the snail mail. This is fantastic. This might be the deal of the century. End of message. Your episode of Unstable Topics will be starting in 3, 2, 1, fight. Hey, bestie. Hey, bestie. So I was listening to this, obviously, NPR the other day, and they were talking about what time people eat dinner. And they were talking about, like, in Europe, it's much later. Like, in France, I think it's rude to eat before 7. And I immediately thought I would be very rude all the time because dinner in the Adams household is between 5 and 5:15. And so I was curious where where do you stand with dinner? Oh, man. Um on weekends when everyone's home, we eat at like 5 because I'm ready to start the evening. You know, I'm ready yes. to be like this day is over. Let's start dinner. Let's, you know, get ready for bed, put on pajamas, let's do all that. During the week, we eat around 6, a little like 6, 6.30. Mm-hmm. But if Kyle's going to be like late coming home from work, then sometimes I'll eat earlier. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, if he's not going to be here for dinner, then let's eat earlier. I can yeah. see like if the kids, when the kids get older, eating later at like 7. But personally, mm-hmm. I am like ready to eat dinner at 4.30. I'm like, yeah, I agree. I'm like, I got to eat. So I'm like snacking and then prepping dinner. And then I'm like, gosh, I just want to get food in my belly, you know? I agree. No, I, I like the idea of early dinner too, because then it gives you so much m- options for after dinner. Like if you eat at eight o'clock when you're done eating, like you're done for the day. But if you eat like early, then you eat dinner, you can go for a walk, you can have conversations, you have a nice glass of wine. Like I think they still do that in France. Like I think they just stay up till like midnight. No, no way. There's no way a human can function like that. No way. Yeah, they drink like no. wine and eat bread and then or smoke cigarettes and then they're still skinny and like having fun and being French. I don't how do you do that and then wake up the next morning at 7 
or six or 545 and be good and then wait to nine o'clock to eat dinner. Here's the theory. The food in America is real bad, right? So like there are people who, <laughs> this is a serious theory. There are people who um, can't eat bread in America, like cannot do it. They go to France or Italy and can eat all the bread they want because it doesn't have all the preservatives and all of the junk that food in America has. Well, here's the thing. One, I don't disagree with you about the food quality. Mm-hmm. I do think like GMO stuff. Anyways, that's a that's a different podcast. I do think that if someone's like, mm, I can't eat this bread, but if I go to France and I pick up like a baguette off like the market for some reason, like I am totally fine. I think that person's a liar. No. I, no. I don't. No. But here's the thing. Bread, you can get with bread. We're staying on bread. You can make your own bread. You can buy gluten-free bread. You can buy artisanal bread. You can buy bread from a bakery. And if you're going to tell me all that bread in America that uses the same ingredients as bread in France, I don't, I don't. The only, like, it's like, even if you use organic whole grain wheat, like, it's not the bread that's the problem, you know? Well. You got to start looking internally. At that point, like so am many, I the issue. Okay, so I've Googled it. Of course you did. In France, I can eat all the wheat I like, gorge on bread, indulge in pastries, not have a single symptom. This is a Google. This is a Google search. That's what you searched on Google. Many people struggle to eat eat out successfully with a gluten free diet. Yeah, because you're not eating gluten, which is in bread. I don't know, Sarah. I've seen this all over the internet. Well, if it's on the internet, I don't know. Maybe it's a theory. Mm-hmm. It's unstable. <laughs> Maggie, are you ready for your fact? Mm-hmm. Ever get guac at Chipotle? It might have been from Jason Mraz's backyard. The singer sells avocados to the burrito chain. Really? Interesting. You know what's weird about Jason Mraz? Uh, besides him having an avocado farm that he sells to Chipotle? Yeah. What's weird is that I know two people from two different circles who know Jason Mraz. In what way? Like they've hung out with him or he's like really good friends with one of my friend's sisters or this comedy group that came in for the festival. They've like collaborated with Jason Mraz. They were fans and now they're like good friends with him. And I think that's weird for me, human, to know two people who are close to Jason Mraz, avocado farmer and singer songwriter. I wonder if this was the universe's way of putting that out there. So now that maybe Jason Mraz will know you personally. Yeah. But not like personally, but like just personally, like be his friend. Yeah, I think we would be friends. I was a fan of his music, right? You know? I'm sing a, sing a Jason Mraz song. I was just about to sing one, but then it wasn't the song You're by Googling. Jason Mraz. You're Googling I'm, Googling I'm gonna right Google. Googling. I wanted to make sure. Because I was gonna sing new shoes and that's not Jason Mraz. Oh, this one. I'm yours. Ooh, 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 ooh. Hey, hey, hey. You know that one? It's like I'm at a Jason Mraz concert. I, I could be his backup singer. Are you ready to react? I am. If you had to pair a food with a celebrity, oh. what food celebrity pairing would you make? This is a great question. Whew. Wow. Um, like they're the farmer of it or they are this food? Your choice. Okay. Um, a hamburger and Brad Pitt because he's always eating them. In movies. And when I think of like a food association, I think hamburger and Brad Pitt. You know? You know what's 
you know what's funny is for some reason in my mind the first thing that came to was George Clooney and pineapple. Oh, you think he's a swinger? I completely forgot the pineapple was upright when I saw it. So no, he's just a fan of the fruit. He's just a fan of the fruit. I was trying to think of someone who'd be an onion. Like which celebrity would be an onion? Danny DeVito. (gasps) Oh, that's it. Yep. I'm telling you, things are just flashing in my mind right now. Give me another one, Maggie. Okay, Let's see if I right. can do okay, another one. Okay. Um, here's another here's another food. Uh the food is kumquat. Uh Annalita, uh, Angelina Jolie. Ah, uh, she is a kumquat. You're exactly right. Uh how about a how about a broccoli? I don't know about broccoli. I don't have any I don't have any images flashing in my mind. Maybe broccoli's broccoli's like a commoner's food, not a celebrity food, maybe. A popper's food. Yeah, it's a mere poppers, broccoli. <laughs> broccoli poppers. What about jalapeno poppers? Oh, that's uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, he is, in fact, a jalapeno popper. You are correct. Step right up. It's time to play Friend, Enemy, Block. Yes. Who of these three celebrities provided will Sarah or Maggie pick to be their friend, to be their enemy, and to block from all contact for the rest of their lives? Let's find out on Friend, Enemy, Block! Sarah, this Friend, Enemy, Block pins a famous trio against each other for your love and admiration. Of these delicious appetizer dips, which is your friend, which is your enemy, and which are you blocking forever? Salsa, guac, queso. Okay. Uh, so right off the bat, because life changes me, I would have to block queso. <gasps> now, if you'd have, I know, I know. This is an unpopular opinion. I get it. I love queso. I love queso so much. I have to block them because even if queso was my enemy, they would still be in my world, and I couldn't help but eat queso. I have to block queso. I have to block queso. I'm, I don't know why it, I'm so emotional about this, but I am literally tearing up. <laughs> That's not how I expected just, this to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I it's for the best for both of us because I don't want to. I don't want to like hate queso. I don't because I love queso, which is why I have, you love the things you let it go. And I'm blocking queso. I am enemies with guacamole because I love a good guac chips. Um, but I don't always like the amount of onions that are in guacamole. Sometimes it's like really chunky and I'm like, I don't, I don't trust you guacamole. What are you going to be like today when I put my chip, you know, and dip it. So it's, that's why guacamole is my enemy. I don't know what I'm getting. Salsa on the other hand, best friend, because salsa is there for you tried and true. You sit down on the table, there's salsa, you get a good chip, you can put salsa on chicken, you can eat salsa with anything, a carrot, you can have it as a side dish. Like salsa is true through friendship. It's there for you in the good and the bad. It will not let you down. So yeah, that's my friend enemy block. I think I blacked out after you said you're going to block queso. (laughs) I had such an emotional reaction to that. I don't even know where it came from. I'm trying to like unpack it for myself. Like why (laughs) I started literally crying. I literally am still tearing up and it's like his hoop like queso if you have to block queso that's like you have to you cannot see queso because you love queso so much 
Like that's the only reason. Like normally we're blocking people because we like we don't like them, we don't want to see them. But this is like you love queso so much, but you can't have queso, and so you have to block queso. Oh my gosh, this was so emotional for me. <laughs> I can't. Oh, uh, just because of that, I'm gonna put queso in my friend bucket because I feel like queso is gonna need a friend to talk to and like explain why she's blocked by you. Maggie, and, but I can't be around queso. And if you're around queso. Nope. I'm not going to invite you guys to the same parties. I'm not even going to like. No. I, what do you mean? You can't You can't do that. This is what friendship is about, Maggie. If I block queso, you have to block queso I too. can't block queso. You have to block queso for me. I can't block queso. I can't. I can't block you queso. You have to. If you don't block queso, how are you and I going to be friends? How are you going to have parties and have queso there and not me? What do you what do you expect from me? I am to do? literally unraveling. I am unwell. This friend enemy block has really, really messed with me. And I wish I could take it back. I wish I could take it back. I just don't even want to I don't even We're gonna end this. You don't have to do anymore, but you have to really think about like if I have blocked queso, right? And you don't block queso, what does that say about our friendship? What if I put queso in my enemy? That's that's better. That's better. I can I because that means queso won't always be there. And it means like when I'm indulging in queso, it's like a guilty pleasure because they're my enemy. Alone and alone. I have to <laughs> just heating up queso in the microwave and eating it in my garage. Doesn't sound too far off. That was cute. Thanks to all our friends and enemies for playing along. Maggie, are you ready for your fact? I am. The Library of Congress is the largest library in the world with more than 173 million items. Wow. I can't even imagine counting that high. I can't even imagine counting to 1 million. There's a book Walter has is How Much is a Million? And it talks about like if you were to count to a million, how long it would take you. And I think it'd take you like like 100 years, maybe Gosh. 50 years or something like that. How many people do you think it takes to count? What was 173 million? 173 million. How many people does it take to count that many things? And is it important to have that many things? I feel like if I had more than a million things, it would be like, we're, we're never going to touch this stuff. No one's interested in this stuff. Well, the Library of Congress, which is, which is accessible, um, holds like artifacts from – from what I was reading, from 1800s, there was they had a library of Congress, and then it burnt down. Oh, the whole everything was gone, and so they purchased books and somebody's library. I think whose library was it that they purchased it from? I'm gonna have to Google. Hold on. It sounds like the Library of Congress is hoarding a bunch of things that no one really needs. Have you been able to go? It's really cool. Um, to see all the things that they have. But like, is it organized? They have 173 million things organized? Mm -hmm. Not just chaotic grandma's house? No, it's not like you walk into one of our closets. No, this is like organization. Do you think they have like warehouses though with some of the millions of things that aren't even out for display? 100%. That's where the um, Ark of the New Covenant is. So it says... <laughs> The library was wait, found in wait. an 18th <laughs> The Ark of the New Covenant is just in like a pod yeah. in the parking yeah. lot. It's just like, ah, dang. Well, maybe not in the parking lot, but 
the best place to hide something is in plain sight. Like hide it in front of everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, it says it was founded in 1800, making it the oldest federal cultural institution in the nation. On August 24th, 1814, British troops burned the Capitol building where the library was housed and destroyed the library's core collection of 3,000 volumes. And then on January 30th, 1815, Congress approved the purchase of Thomas Jefferson's personal library of 6,487 books for $23,000. $23,000? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money back then, too. Yeah. That's a lot to give to Jefferson for his books. Dang. And now that has since grown to 173 million things. It's not just books either. So when I went, they have like letters that people kept um, from the Vietnam Wall. There's um, like cans and things that cans? Uh, kids have made. Yeah, like old, uh, like, I don't know, archival things that people have placed throughout historical movements. Oh, I don't like museums. I mean, I do like museums. But as a kid, I remember not liking going to museums where you couldn't like touch things or interact with things because it was like cool. So I'm just like looking at this from behind the glass, but I can't like be a part of history. I mean, I understand it because you don't want everything to break. But for like a can, is a can super fragile? Like you can't have people touching the can? I think it was out. I don't know. But I thought it was pretty new because it was interactive. It was like movies oh. and things. Like it wasn't just like look behind this glass that it can. It was very – it was like art installation almost. And then it had – it was it was really neat. I wonder how much money – so if they paid $23,000 back way back when, in 1815, how much money do you think they have spent on buying cans and wooden spoons and old books to get 173 million. I don't think they do. You think people just donate it? I think it's just donated. Oh, then Thomas Jefferson should have donated his collection. Should we go? Should we go? Should we do a road trip? I would love to do. I would love to go back to DC sans kids because my kids are not old enough to complain properly. Because when I lived in DC, I did a lot of complaining at the several Smithsonian's mm-hmm. and the White House. And I feel like if I were to do it justice, I need to have my children walkable where they can complain to me that it's too hot. Yes. I don't want to walk anymore. Yes. Yeah. They have to like, yeah, I agree. They have to be at an age where their complaints are relevant, you know, not just yeah. everyday yeah. complaints, but specific to this journey that you have planned for them. Yeah, Because I, I distinctly remember going to the White House. It was in the 90s. We got invited to go tour the White House during Christmas time. And we were brats. There is a picture of me and my brother standing in front of this White House Christmas tree fireplace thing looking miserable. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, I can't take my children until they're at that level of misery when I take them someplace. Right. They might smile for a picture of you in DC. And who wants that? Who wants that? You want your kid being like, I don't like it. Hey, Maggie, are you ready to react? I am. When's the first time you got a library card? I think I got it when I was in first or second grade at the Pittsburgh Public Library. And it uh, we used to go a lot. We used to go get lots of books. It's funny because MJ, my daughter, is in pre-K and her librarian told them like the first week that they could go get library cards. So we went and she has her own library card. and She signed her name and everything. I love it. Library, I remember getting one and it was like a big deal. Like you felt really proud to have your library card. Yeah. 
I thought it was like I pretended it was a credit card. Like when I'd play pretend, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I have a card. I have one of those. Speaking of cards, different card, but Blockbuster. Blockbuster cards. Remember those? Oh, gosh, yes. So we went as a family to get our Blockbuster card. And it was just a laminated piece of paper, right? But I think you had to pay for the Blockbuster card. Like, I don't know. But we had to go get it. Mm-hmm. We get the Blockbuster card. I have it. I'm sitting in the car. I'm like, wow, I have all the power. I have all the Blockbusters. For some reason, I'm alone in the car because it's, you know, the 90s. And I'm playing with the window, like mm-hmm. rolling the window up and down. And I put the card on and I can like roll the window down and the card goes down and roll the window up and the card goes up. And then I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I rolled it all the way down and then rolled it all the way up and the card didn't make it. And we had had this card for probably two and a half minutes and I lost it inside the door of our vehicle. And this would not be the last thing you would lose inside a door of a vehicle. This might be a theme of my lifetime. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love a review, subscribe, or for you to share this with a friend you think would like it. Or all three of those things. You can do all three and make our day and help us grow. If longer than three minute podcast is too much for you, you can always catch an abbreviated version of our show over on Jam by texting unstable topics to 552266. And you can catch more of our antics on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok under the username The Monthly Junk or at themonthlyjunk.com. Bye. Peace. Peace.